no one is like our God. Amen. Amen. He is. No one is like our God. Amen. 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 No one is like him. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that today. And uh, what an amazing, amazing song there just to, to focus us in on just who God is as we get ready to receive the word today. So, uh, well, thank you for being here. Congratulations on uh, successfully winning against the time change. Um, they're all here, so that's good to see everybody. We get a little extra daylight tonight. I saw something on social media the other day. It said, don't look at it as though you're losing an hour's sleep. We are also losing an hour of rain. So uh, that's a, at least there's a positive lining in there, right? Well, we're going to start today on a new series, um, Easter series. Can you believe that? I mean, I figured with the time change, we might as well go ahead and... Um, start with the Easter series, plus the, what, what I'm doing uh, is going to take us six weeks. Within this six-week time frame leading up to Easter Sunday, we are going to have a one-week break uh, where the youth are going to be leading uh, the service. That will be the fifth Sunday of this month. So the last Sunday of this month, the youth were going to pretty much take over the service. We're going to see what God's doing uh, within them. And, uh, you know, I, I cherish these times that we get to bring our youth and our kids in. I think the next time we talked with the staff, I think the next time we do this, it's going to focus in on our J-12 and uh, what they've been doing, what they've been learning as well. So um, just love the ministry to our young folks. And thank you for everyone who's involved with that. Just, just thank you so much. Well, we're talking about the Easter experience. You can kind of see the posters around. If you've taken your kids, you've seen the Easter experience. And truly, I want this to be sort of an experience, maybe to refocus, um, especially those of us who've been in church for a really long time. Um, and we've heard the story of the cross many, many times. I want to reset our minds on that today. The reason being, we're going to talk a little bit about familiarity today. You know, when you become familiar with something, it can become just part of just kind of a ho-hum type of thing. And so I'm, what I've been asking is for the Holy Spirit to revive me in the story of the cross, the importance of the blood of Jesus and, and the significance of that. Um, so in your bulletin, I believe it's in your bulletin, if you've been in church, um, for a small amount of time, it's like you've heard the story of Easter and the resurrection. What if what happened then changes everything now? And we're talking about the cross, Jesus dying upon the cross. The story that is over 2,000 years old still has application for today. Once you experience the story of Easter, absolutely everything changes in your life. So we're going to hear the story again over the next six weeks, uh, or maybe for the first time for some folks, and grow spiritually and bond with each other and the eternal message of Easter. So I'm praying that even just how we deal with other people, like this song was just talking about, you know, we're taking the cross to the message of the cross to other people. And I want to encourage you, invite your friends who do not know Jesus over the next six weeks, because we're, we're going to be focusing in on that, uh, the story of salvation. And we're going to see it through the life of um, different people who were present at the cross when that, when that happened. Now, Sonny, I'm going to ask you to do something real quick, really to go to the last slide, because I forgot to give Luke the memory verse on the first slide, where it's 1 Corinthians 15.3, and this is going to be our memory verse uh, for this week, and um, it's, you'll see the third, so you, you already see point three, it's, it's there, so we're going to skip ahead, but anyway, let's read 1 Corinthians 15.3 together, it says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. 
Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. You see how what we're going to be going over in the next few uh, weeks is I received what Christ passed on to me and I'm passing that on to you. God has given us this ministry of reconciliation to those who don't know God, to those uh, who need to know God and, and, and so that they understand who he is. So even within that, it's most important in our Christian life. It's the most important thing telling people that Jesus died for their sins so that they can be saved. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to, um, as we start this first one, we're going to see the title is Dismissed by the Soldiers. And um, we're going to see kind of the viewpoint, maybe what the soldiers had been thinking, some of the things that Scripture tells us here uh, about the soldiers. But as we're starting today, I want you, just, just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to try to picture the viewpoint of Jesus on the cross. Now, I don't know that we can do this adequately, but just try the best that you can. Jesus hanging on the cross, he's looking down, and not to be too gruesome, but he's seeing his feet that have been nailed to the cross, and all the gruesomeness that's there with that. He hung there for six horrible hours in pain, waiting to die for my sins. And if you have been keeping up with the daily reading, um, We've just been, I think in Mark, it was talking about how when, when the word came to Pilate that Jesus had died after six hours, Pilate was surprised he died so early. Crucifixion was a horrible, horrible death. And here's Jesus hanging on the cross for six hours in tremendous pain, waiting to die for my sins. As he's looking out, he's seeing different groups of people who had already formed opinions about him. He sees the soldiers that are there. The Bible tells us that this, these are the people who are around. So we can imagine him seeing the soldiers that are there. As he's looking at them, they're playing a game to see who would win his garment. He sees people, many of whom rejected him. We'll talk about that next week. Week three, he's seeing other Romans and other soldiers who tortured him. He sees his friends, week four, those who deserted him. And then he looks, week five, a few who accepted him. And then week six, we're going to see our response to Jesus. All of these people that were standing around the cross as Jesus was looking out, as he was waiting to die, as he was in terrible agony and pain and suffering, knowing that he was fulfilling the will of his Father, there was a question that they all had to ask and what we have to ask. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? All of these people saw him. All of these people had a different perspective. John 15, 25. Uh, by the way, you can go ahead and I'm sorry, John 19. You can go ahead and turn to John chapter 19. We'll be there in a moment. Uh, but before we get to our actual text, verse 25 tells us that Jesus' mother, Jesus' aunt, uh, Mary Magdalene, and John, they were standing close by. Uh, as we back up a few, few verses, we'll see that the Roman soldiers were also standing near Jesus. I want, I want us to get this picture too. Essentially, these Roman soldiers were just passing the time as another criminal was dying. Now we're going to begin to take on the viewpoint of these uh, soldiers that were around the cross. 
The Bible tells us, as we'll see here in a few moments, that they pass the time by playing a game to win Jesus' clothes. That's what they're doing. I mean, somebody is in pain and in dying. Actually, three people that we know of that are right there in pain and dying, and they're playing a game at this moment. See, death was very common to these soldiers. They were used to it. I mean, it's kind of sick to think about it, but they had seen death so much. They had crucified so many people. They had almost become numb to what they were hearing. These soldiers are oblivious to this event that will forever change history because they're doing their job and they dismiss the one who was God and who is God. Look with me in John chapter 19. We'll pick up in verse 23 here. Uh, We'll go through verse 24. It says, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. They said, Rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that's what they did. A game is happening here. Now, it's fulfilling Scripture, right? I mean, if we go back uh, earlier into the Old Testament, what they are doing is fulfilling Scripture. But here is a man, here is God, and they're oblivious to it. And, you know, rightfully so. They, the, the tensions between the Jews and the Romans were very high. But I want us to take away some of the thoughts of these soldiers, something that we can see from the Scriptures here. Um, and, and what we can understand just because of their job. First of all, familiarity, which I talked about a few moments ago. As I've said, the soldiers had seen this many times before. And just think about yourself. You become familiar with something. Um, you just kind of go through the motions, right? We, Luke and I were talking about this uh, a while back. You know, for, for us here, we've been at Abundant Life for uh, six years now. And Luke is just now coming on. We have a fresh set of eyes coming in who see some things, uh, areas where we can um, just continue in our growth and as we minister to people. But there's something about fam- familiarity that um, can sometimes cloud us, what we see. The question that I have and, and what, what makes me think of this question here is how else could they play games as someone is dying? Now, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to, well, yeah, you don't have to answer this, but how many of you have ever been around someone who is dying? You know, it's, it's, it's not something, you're not playing games at that moment. You're not. You're not playing games at all. How is it that you hear of this as well? Sometimes um, I've heard stories from, from people who are on the battlefield or people who have, uh, you know, been around death. And some people uh, deal with death different ways. Some people do it with humor. And you think, how in the world could you, how could you laugh at a time like that? Well, it's, it's, it's familiarity. For some people, it's a way of coping, but it's even familiarity with something. And so I have to believe for this reason that that's what they were experiencing, familiarity, okay? This is just an opinion that I have, familiarity. The law of familiarity states this, no matter how valuable, given enough time, everything will be taken for granted. Have you experienced that in your own life? Not necessarily with just spiritual things, but just anything. Another uh, uh, definition that I found about the law of familiarity, if you're around something long enough, you tend to take it for granted. How many of you have purchased a new car? We're joking with Luke about this. He got a new to him car recently, and nobody's going to eat and drink in your car, are they? Don't bring any food into my car. Not, not at all, right? Not even a piece of candy, right? So you, couldn't even, you, were, you rode with Luke. You couldn't even have a piece of candy? Whew, wow. <laughs> you were sneaking the food. 
But then as time goes on, now some of you may have stuck to that and you're awesome. Um, but as, as time goes on, you're like, you know what, I'm really in a hurry. I need to grab something real quick and take it. Think about your marriage for a moment. We can take that for granted because it's, it's familiar and, you know, well, they're always here. They'll always be here. Um, so we even take that for granted, a job. You remember when you first start your job and it's so exciting and then after a while you're like, I cannot wait to get out of this place. I can, uh, these people are about to drive me crazy. And so you get a new job and you're all excited and three months later, what is it? Man, I cannot wait to get out of this place, you know? So familiarity. If you're around something long enough, you tend to take it for granted. Today, the death penalty has become more and more rare here in the United States. But at this point in history, crucifixions were very commonplace. There's a book out by Martin Hingle that's called Crucifixion, and it reports that during the siege of Jerusalem, uh, that was sort of around this time here, up to 500 people per day were whipped, tortured, and crucified. Per day. Let's look at the soldiers here for a moment. They're seeing this all the time. So this man, Jesus, who's hanging on the cross is just another person. There's another uh, history tradition that holds that there was a Jewish rebellion near the town that Jesus lived as a teenager. The Romans crushed this rebellion. How many of you have heard this before, that, 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 um, just through world history? The Romans crushed this rebellion to assure that it would never happen again. And this is what the reports are from world history. They crucified an Israelite approximately every 33 feet along a road for about 10 miles. That is 1,600 people. It was commonplace. They were crushing rebellions. They were telling people, we are the big dogs in town and you're not going to come against us. So two things we can see out of this. One, crucifixions were commonplace. And two, the divide that's between the Romans and the Jews. Romans didn't like Jews. Jews didn't like Romans. Right? They didn't like the oppression that was there. As you can imagine, it was just part of the job for these soldiers. You can see it in their response to Jesus on the cross. Their job was familiar. Matthew 27, 35. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldier gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. Just part of their job. They're just sitting there waiting on another criminal to them to die. It was familiar. Just another day at work, despite the terror, the pain, the blood, and the death. The death. So the question that I get out of this whole idea of familiarity, has the story of Jesus' death become common to us? We hear it every year. Again, if you grew up in church, you saw the G-rated versions in Sunday school, right? We got almost a little bit gory here a few moments ago. But make no mistake, this was horrible. This was a horrible, bloody death. Painful. The question that I ask, does the story of the cross still move us? Or has the familiarity with the story brought indifference? So here's what I mean by that. I don't mean this accusatory at all. What I mean by this is I've heard this story a lot. I read it in the Bible I, through my daily devotions. You know, we're going through the gospel, so we'll read it at least four times. And, and, and there's times that I'll read it and I'll get to the end of it. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for your death on the cross. And then I'll go on. I want to take this Easter and let it be something that resettles within our heart. What Jesus did 
for me. What Jesus did for you is something that cannot be familiar. Lord, will you renew that understanding in my heart again that it was my sin for that reason that you were nailed to the cross. Lord, help me not to become familiar in my attitude about that. Jesus died upon the cross for my sins. Jesus suffered and bled and died for my sins. A horrible, horrible, horrible death. A death that we should have died, the Bible tells us. Lord, help us not to become so familiar that our life is filled with indifference. I alluded a little bit to the prejudice. The soldiers were turned off by God's people, reading through history, through the book, The Crucifixion, the other traditions that talk about the, um, the sieges that happened against um, the, the uh, Jewish people from the Romans. And of course, we know that the Jews have suffered against many, many, many people, right? There's been different things that they have gone through. But prejudice, they were turned off by God's people. The Romans and Jews hated each other. The Jews were considered inferior. Uh, they didn't, but the Jews yet didn't like to be under the Roman oppression. Uh, so we can infer from this that the Roman soldiers killing a Jewish man really wasn't an issue. It was just part of what they did. It was part of the hate that they had. Therefore, they had no clue that they were killing the Savior of the world. Many people today dismiss Jesus because of their prejudices against believers. Which, let me back up to that last statement. Before they had, or therefore, they had no clue that they were killing the Savior of the world. Until, this is not going to come in the teaching, I, I don't think so. I think it was just from my reading yesterday. The soldier, when he, the one who was over all of this, after the events had happened, the curtain, the veil was torn in two, he looked up and he said, you know what? Surely this must have been the Son of God. See, these soldiers probably had heard things about the Jew. This is their, you know, he claims to be God, but he's got to be crazy. There was a little bit of understanding that was there. But it wasn't until after these events that one soldier said, you know what? Maybe this was the Son of God. This had to be. Surely this was the Son of God. Many people today have dismissed Jesus because of their prejudice against believers. And unfortunately, many believers have re uh, represented Jesus poorly. Uh, we understand that as well. But, you know, sometimes we all get lumped into the same basket, don't we? Those who give Christianity a bad name who aren't, really aren't. Uh, let's be real. There are people out there who use Christianity for gain in this world. In the sense of power and prestige. So we understand that. But it lumps us all into the same basket, doesn't it? Something we must be aware of. Kyle Eidelman says this. This is a quote. By the way, Kyle Eidelman is the one who wrote um, fan or follower. Not a fan. Not a fan. We did that probably three years ago here. Kevin, I think, led us through that one three or four years ago. But he says this. Maybe the church has left such a bad taste in people's mouth that they won't taste and see that the Lord is good. So there's a little bit of prejudice, even from society that we live in today. So what is our challenge as believers today? Treat the server at the restaurant kindly, especially on Sunday, right? But always. Even Christians can be prejudiced toward other Christians. Our challenge is to look beyond the imperfect Christians and look to Jesus. Look to who he is. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So we keep our eyes on Jesus who knew why he died on the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the pain. He endured the suffering. What was the joy that was set before him? Well, reunion with his father, but also bringing us to the, understand the love of the father again and the relationship. He endured that. So we look to Jesus, even despite the prejudices. When, when people are out there saying things they shouldn't say, representing Christianity the way it shouldn't be represented, or uh, even keeping in mind this, people are looking even at us as hypocrites. Endure and continue to love people. Continue to love God. Endure these things and hopefully, prayerfully, people will come to Jesus, the one who died on the cross for you and for me. So we see familiarity, we see prejudice, and we see distractions. The soldiers were focused on other things. Who would win Jesus' clothes? That's what they were focused in on. We get distracted by other things. And I want to go back to last week, okay? I want to bring the example of, of communion last week. During communion time, I have found myself distracted by other things. Typically, whoever's up here doing communion, uh, while the elements are being passed, just Miss Vicky's playing the piano, and it's just quiet. And we find those moments where we are to be reflecting on uh, the cross. We're, we're in those moments, Lord, will you reveal to me those areas where I have sinned? And so it's a very reflective time, right? It should be a very reflective time. But if you're like me, there are times where I have, Lord, I thank you for the cross. Lord, I thank you that, you know, as we're going to pray here in a few moments, that this bread represents healing, that, that you're, you're this, this juice that I'm about to drink, juice. I've got to go pick some up whenever we leave here because we're out of orange juice and I need some for in the morning. Uh, oh, get back to it. Lord, we thank you for, for your blood that was shed just to clean up just my mess. I wonder if the kids cleaned up their messy rooms, you know? Man, this bread, I'm not sure if that's going to hold me over till lunch. Have you ever done that? You just start to wander in those moments. Distractions. And the enemy is so good at that. He is so, squirrel, you know, I'm the king of that. Distractions that will come in. I get distracted when I know I should be focusing upon his death. No more so I want to be focused on the resurrection, right? but this appropriate times where I'm focused in on his death because that death was for my sins. I know I should be examining myself. This is not on the screen. Um, if you want to write down 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 29, it talks about this. Let a man examine himself. And it's talking about communion. Verse 29 is where it says, don't eat in an unworthy manner. So it's important during those times, and this is just an example, while communion's being passed, I'm reflecting upon the cross and I'm saying, Lord, search my heart and see if there is any wicked way within me. And he shows me those things and I repent. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the relationship that you have restored to me. Lord, will you help my mind not get so bogged down with distractions? Just like these soldiers, here is the Savior of the world dying upon the cross, but they've seen it a hundred times. We do communion at least 12 times a year. And I can get distracted, and we're only the third month in. 
Even my weekly life with the Lord, my daily life with the Lord, reading the Word of God, taking the time every morning to sit down and read. You know, uh, by the way, this is another journal teaching real quick. If you sit, you read the Bible, I encourage you to write some things down, what God is speaking to you. But I have, I like to keep another notepad nearby. Why is that? Because I know my mind. And if I start thinking I need to take Nathan to work at 2 o'clock today, I'm going to be thinking about that the rest of my journal time. So what can I, I just scratch that down, Nathan to work it to. You know what? It frees up my mind to get back to God's word. Lord, will you help clear my mind of the distractions because there is no greater news, there is no greater message than Jesus Christ leaving heaven to come down here to identify with me and to take my place in death, to die for my sins upon the cross and to be resurrected promising me as I repent of sins and, you know, all, uh, and accept Jesus as Lord of my life, that I will be with, in heaven with Jesus one of these days. Lord, help me not to lose focus. Help me not to be so easily distracted each day with that message. May the message of the cross be renewed each and every day in my life. There's a story I want to tell you that talks about what's most important, just a story. It says, a number of years ago, there was a testimony of a missionary named Glenn. He and his family were in China for a number of years. In their last years, uh, there had, in their last years, they had been uh, put under house arrest by the Chinese government and were waiting to hear when they could go back to America. One day a Chinese soldier came and knocked on the door and told them they could go back to America and that uh, he would be back later that day to pick them up and take them to the airport. They could only take 200 pounds with them of their belongings. Well, think about this. If it was your family, wife, husband, and two kids, all right? Some of you have more than two kids. 200 pounds isn't that much. They decided to try the best they could to decide what was most important and what really needed to go. Clint would be taking his fishing rods and his shotguns and Melody would be saying, nope, my candles and unsmushed flowers are going. <laughs> Coy would be saying, nope, I'm taking my shotgun too. That adds up pretty quick. The wife thought the vases and the sewing machine were most important. Glenn thought the computer and books were most important. And the children were concerned about their toys, games, and clothes. They had much more than 200 pounds. They got out the scales and the family began to argue. They argued a little while and took something off, argued some more and took something else off the scale. And finally, though they didn't agree that they had what was most important, they did have 200 pounds on the dot. Later, the Chinese soldier came and said, are you ready to go? Glenn said, we are ready. The soldier, did you weigh everything? Glenn, we weighed everything. The soldier, did you weigh the kids? Glenn, we didn't weigh the kids. The soldier, weigh the kids. In a moment, everyone agreed. The sewing machine, vases, computer, books, toys, shotguns, smushed flowers and candles, the clothes weren't even worth discussing. The value of putting our attention on what is first importance that it focuses us on what really matters and keeps us from being distracted or preoccupied with what does not. What's most important? What are the things that distract us in these moments from Jesus? From the cross. 
We'll have Allison and Vicky come up here and get ready. We're going to sing a song here in just a few moments, just in reflection. But I want you to read with me our, well, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. It says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Even if you've heard this story a thousand times, familiarity. Even if you've been turned off by Christians, whether you're a believer or not a believer, prejudice. Even if your mind is going a thousand miles per hour by distractions, even right now, our goal is to look to Jesus and refuse to dismiss him. Refuse to dismiss the cross. Refuse to dismiss, even in the moment, Allison's going to sing for us this course one time, and I want us to reflect. And then she's going to have us stand, and we're going to sing this song together. And it's a very familiar song. Um, but the first time she sings it through, I want you to focus in on the cross. I want you to say, Lord, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way within me. Lord, help me not to become so familiar, so prejudiced, so distracted by everything else that I lose track of the cross. Amen. So as she sings this through, let's just ask God for that and then we'll stand together. Lord, I thank you for the reminder this morning that you have given to us. Just through an example of what we can read about the soldiers and understanding um, just of what it was like in their time, things became so familiar. There were so many distractions. There was so much prejudice, Lord. And may we see Jesus in everything and understand the power of the cross as we experience Easter. Lord, may this be our very real experience. God, I pray that this week, that there would be moments each and every day where the message of the cross truly moves us, Lord, as we're reminded of the suffering, as we're reminded of the sacrifice that you made. Father, you made a sacrifice. You sent your only son, Jesus, because you wanted relationship with us. What an amazing 
reality. And Jesus, you are willing to do it. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you've been in church for a long time maybe, I'm going to ask that you would come up and pray with Mr. and Ms. Stowe. Tommy, if you can get a, or some music ready. Miss Vicky's going to be coming down in a few minutes as well. We'll just have some music playing in the background as we dismiss. But I want you to come down and pray with them. And um, maybe you just need to come down as well and you want to kneel at the altar. We've got time today. There's plenty of time uh, just to reflect on the goodness of God. But otherwise, uh, you'll be dismissed here in a few moments. Mr. Stowe's going to pray for us. And um, man, the message of the cross is amazing, isn't it? Jesus died for us. Jesus died for you and me. And I want to pass on what was, what was most important because it was passed on to me that Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture said. Praise God for that. Amen. 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 Mr. Stowe, will you dismiss us?